Welcome to the Grant Writing and Funding Podcast, where it's all about, you guessed it, grant writing and funding made easy so you can increase capacity, grow funding, and advance your nonprofit or freelance mission. Now, let's hand it over to your host, grants expert and author Holly Rustic, so you can increase your funding and drive impact. Hello, and welcome to the Grant Writing and Funding Podcast. I'm your host, Holly Rustic. All right, guys, so you are here today because you are a change maker, and I'm going to help you grow capacity, increase funding, and to advance mission. To do that, this podcast has excellent action-oriented bites of golden nuggets with systems so you can become a freelance consultant and 10x results all from the comfort of your own home. Yes, I also get nonprofit leaders, board of executives, staff, volunteers listening to this as well. You can definitely apply everything you hear here. (laughs) No pun intended. And of course, this is definitely for you if you are an aspiring, a newbie, or a seasoned consultant, nonprofit consultant, or freelance grant writer, and you want to increase your skills, get more clients, maintain more clients, and diversify your income. All right, guys, so we're going to be doing a lot today. Today is going to be a crash course on nonprofit planning, and you are going to get 10 steps to skyrocket your nonprofit and freelance business in 2020. What does this mean? Well, it's gonna, <laughs> you're gonna get those 10 steps to really move you, move the needle forward on your nonprofit, on your business. All right, so we're gonna go ahead and go over that. There's also a $100 discount on the nonprofit strategic planning course. So the master course, fantastic. This is your time of the year to actually do your planning again. Yes, we're halfway through. (laughs) And I just wanted to share with you also a big love and shout out to Nikki R. Jones. She is a nonprofit communications consultant, and she wrote this testimony about my courses and about me. So it's really awesome. (laughs) And she's a good friend. She was actually on a podcast a while ago. So I'll definitely um, put the show notes on grantwritingandfunding.com forward slash 126. So you can check that out. Um, But she says, Holly's commitment to supporting the growth and reach of nonprofits across the world is impressive. She has a unique way of sharing her knowledge in a way that is easily digestible. So thank you once again, Nikki R. Jones, uh, for that fantastic review. So once again, this is a gift to you today. Since you are giving yourself the gift of time by listening to this podcast, I am giving you a gift back of being able to implement these 10 steps today. So this is a mini mini crash course of the 10 steps to skyrocket your nonprofit or freelance consultancy for during the last six months of 2020. Of course, you can always use this beyond 2020 as well, but this is a really good time to actually implement everything you learn here today. And yes, this is, all these mini steps are taken from the Nonprofit Strategic Planning Master Course. And if you do wanna go super deep into it, get a whole bunch of downloadables. I believe I have like 67 downloadables. It's ridiculous. It's fantastic, love it a private Facebook group, a free one-on-one coaching call with me, and more, you can definitely get that um, before the end of the month. But like I said, if you're not ready to commit to the full course at this point in time, this episode 
is going to give you mega value. Everything you're going to learn today is great for freelancers as well. All right, so it's really, really good for you. Like I said, if you're an aspiring consultant, you know, to work with nonprofits or if you're a startup, or even if you're seasoned looking for more services, then this is going to give you 10 services that you can actually deliver for nonprofits. You can put them together in a whole package and you know get a retainer with a nonprofit for six months to work through all these steps with them. You can do it in a you know a training whole intensive training weekend, or you can just do one-offs a la carte kind of things. You could do each of these steps I'm gonna share with you today could be a service that you deliver. So if you wanna get um, all the information and learn how to actually teach this, that's what this course is also de developed for. So you can go ahead and learn from me and then be able to take this same information and teach other nonprofits. So if you're interested in doing that and increasing your revenue, diversifying it, please do sign up. Okay, so let's go ahead and get started. What are these 10 steps? Step number one is know your values. We covered this step in depth during last week's episode number 125, but here's a quick summary in case you weren't able to catch it, or if you did, but it's been a week, <laughs> so lots has happened. So here's a quick summary. You must know what your values are because that is how you will operate your freelance business or how executive directors operate nonprofits. So first, list out all of your values and then prioritize them. The prioritization of your values is key because you may have conflicting values. Yes, us humans are very complex, right? But everything you do in your business or in a nonprofit is based upon values. If you don't understand what these values are or where your values are placed on a hierarchy, right? How are they prioritized? then you are going to have a hard time making decisions and leading your, your business or your nonprofit and also knowing what programs to do, what your mission and vision should be, etc. So it's really important to first list out your values and then prioritize them. You can do this as a team effort if you're more than a one man or one woman show, or even if you're a one man or one woman show, you need to do this step. It's very important and it's also a great icebreaker if you're going to be doing this with a nonprofit. It's a great place to start and believe you me, the people in the nonprofit are gonna be kind of surprised on what they hear from their coworkers even if they've been working with them for decades. Values are really integral to everybody um, but sometimes we don't really communicate them. Like, oh, what's your values? Well, my values are these, right? So, um, but it really is important and it helps create a better staff morale as well. Okay, so step number two, conduct a SWOT analysis. A SWOT stands for strengths, weaknesses, opportunities, and threats. If your values are the core principle on how you operate, then the SWOT is a way to measure your resources. To do a SWOT, first you need to separate the strengths and weaknesses, so the part, right? from the opportunities and threats. Strengths and weaknesses are the internal markers in your business or nonprofit, and opportunities and threats are the external markers. So overall, the following is true. Strengths are what you rock at. These can also be internal resources or elements that you have at your disposal, i.e. a donated office or great staff morale, etc. Weaknesses, you know you could do this better. These are those nagging monsters in your business or nonprofit that you know could be increased and they're definitely weak. Opportunities. 
Yay, those great ideas, potential partnerships, or possible resources. The things that get you excited and some solutions to your challenges. And threats. Eek, you got no control over these external factors. What's the biggest one you can think of right now? Well, COVID-19, right? That's something that's out of your control. It's happening. Um, a lot of times people also will say something like, um, here on Guam, we say typhoons. That's a big threat, right? If you have any natural disasters in your community, um, things in the economy, even, yes, I've heard people say Trump, right? <laughs> people in administration. Administrations change all the time. And those funding dollars change in alignment with whoever's in office right? So that can be a threat when you're looking at going after grants as far as maybe uh, the person in office at this point in time, they're not going to prioritize what your what the mission is of your nonprofit. And other times, they may love and prioritize what you're doing. Either way, it's a threat because, you know, you do follow some of those dollars. But you do have an opportunity on how you will respond to these threats, but you need to be clear on what these are. So you may not be able to control them from happening, but by doing this activity, you will be in a way better position. So for example, here's a SWOT for my company, grant writing and funding. And I'm just gonna give you um, one, I have quite a few listed and I'm gonna have those on the show notes. So if you want more information, you can definitely see it's a big chart that I've listed, but I just wanna go ahead and show you, I'll show you uh, one example from each category, okay? One uh, strength I have is the podcast with avid and growing listeners, right? We get about 1,200 downloads a week, um, different listeners. Uh, we've had over 120,000 downloads like this. You know, you guys come. I love you guys. And <laughs> you listen and you give feedback and it's very consistent and it's continually growing. It's great. It's a huge strength that I've developed is this podcast for you guys. And I couldn't do it without you. It's amazing, right? So that's a strength. Absolutely. What is a weakness about it? Well, I'm not really capitalizing on the podcast for monetary direct support. I am usually my own sponsor, and that's definitely going to change in the future um, because that is a weakness on my behalf as it does cost money to run a podcast. It's not free, right? There's a lot of different things. It takes my time. It takes, you know, I have to sign up for certain software. Um, it takes a lot of commitment. And I mean, it's, I definitely love doing it, but I'm not capitalizing on it, right? So when I looked at that, I said, this podcast is definitely a strength. But the weakness is, is that I'm not capitalizing. It takes a lot of my time. It takes my monetary resources. So what is an opportunity? Now let's go into the opportunity zone. Well, I can develop an infographic and center resource partners to fund the podcast, right? I can start getting some sponsors on or maybe work with some other people to do affiliates. Like I can review their products and then all the stuff that you guys ask me like, oh, what's the best platform to use? What's the best? And I can actually go in and, and let you guys know and then maybe get referrals, that sort of thing, right? So there's definitely opportunities. And then what are threats? Well, other opportunities become higher priority than the podcast if it's not monetary supported, right? So just being very, very transparent here, and I, I show you behind the scenes on my whole business with the entire um, chart that I've developed, but I just want to give you one example during the time we have because we're going to go over all the steps today. Um, but definitely those could be how you lay them out. For this one, and I think about the strength, and then I think about how it can be a weakness. Is there a weakness associated with it? Yes, there is. But is there an opportunity to overcome that weakness? Yes, there is, right? 
And is there a threat that might, you know, it might threaten the getting the podcast out on time or the podcast closing or something? Absolutely. So how can I mitigate that threat? Well, I can use the opportunity. This is how you can look at that. And if I didn't lay this out, right, if I didn't do a SWOT for my company, I might not brainstorm some of the opportunities. And then when the threats arise, then it might just suffer. All the strengths that I've built in my company might suffer because they're faced with those those threats and I haven't developed a plan to actually, you know, have these opportunities and start implementing them. So then it takes away the weakness. See how this all works together? It's pretty cool. I love SWATs. And as you can see, this is one service that you can just do for a nonprofit. You can say, let's do a SWOT analysis today and take a half a day or a full day and to do this. So there's different ways on how you can actually get it done. It's a lot of fun and it really helps nonprofits get set up and to be more sustainable. Instead of it feeling like a lot of overwhelming steps or being self-defeating about my, you know, any of my weaknesses, I I now have a very clear action step and steps when you look at the whole chart on what opportunities to mitigate the weaknesses and threats and to leverage my strengths. So now your turn. Go ahead. You can pause this podcast if you like and go ahead and do your SWAT. All right. So step number three, or we should say service number three, Articulate boss mission and vision statements. All right, this is so important. And I'm gonna go over these real quickly today. Okay, in very simple terms, terms, you need fantastic mission and vision statements. Here's tips for both. No more than 20 words, simple and easy to remember. Everyone should have these memorized, all right? Right now, if I said to you, what is your mission statement? Do you know it? Like the back of your hand, do you have it memorized? Do you have to Google it and it's a paragraph long and it's super complicated? Really think about this. This is really important. Remember, where there's clarity, you can advance mission. But if you don't have clarity, it's gonna be really difficult. So what are exactly are these mission and vision statements? Well, a mission statement is what you do today. A vision statement is the outcome for the future. And why are these so important? Well, for one thing, you need to have them when you file for tax-exempt status for nonprofits. The other reasons are equally important. These include they provide a guide for decision-making, right? Such as we will only apply to grants that meet our mission. They clarify your purpose, activities, and mission. They create camaraderie for a common goal amongst board members, staff, and volunteers. And they communicate your culture to the community. So it's really important. Okay, so let's go ahead and you're just gonna do a fill in the blanks. Go ahead and fill in the blank to help you get started. But overall, a mission statement describes what a nonprofit or business wants to do now. What do you want your nonprofit or business to do in the upcoming year or two? For whom do you want to do it? And what is the benefit? So you could very simply just fill this in. Name of nonprofit does blank for blank to provide blank. So that would be a really simple formula to use. And I'll just give you an example. So for grant writing and funding, my mission statement is to create effective systems for grant writers that simplify the nonprofit process, grow capacity, and increase funding. So you can see that's what I'm doing today too, right? I'm giving you simple systems for you grant writers to go ahead and take these systems to turn them into services and to help nonprofits with their process to grow capacity in your business with more services and increase your overall funding. 
A vision statement, so we looked at what a mission statement today, right? A vision statement, like I said, it outlines what a nonprofit or business wants to be in the future. What do we want to do going forward? When do we want to do it? And how do we want to do it? And very simple formula could be our vision statement is blank for blank, okay? So my vision statement for grant writing and funding, and you can see I'm doing this for my business too, right? You wanna you want do all these steps for your own business as well as your nonprofit. My example is a tribe of grant writers drive positive change while having an abundant lifestyle. So very simple, this is what I really, the, the whole outcome of developing all these systems and everything, right? It's positive change in the world because you grant writers out there, you're going to go and you are going to be working with amazing nonprofits and you're going to drive that change forward. But I don't want you guys to get peanuts, right? <laughs> you got to also put food on the table. So I want you to have an abundant lifestyle while you help bring in, you know, the millions of dollars in grants or the hundreds of thousand dollars in fundraising. Like you also deserve to have an abundant lifestyle. So step number four, find your target demographic. This is basically who you serve. This is very important as it might seem like this is a no-brainer, but you wouldn't believe how many startup nonprofit leaders come to me asking for help getting their nonprofit idea started. And I tell them that there are already several nonprofits out there that serve that same specific demographic with that same great idea of a project. So it really is important to identify who you will serve. It is not enough to say that you will serve homeless individuals, as that is a huge demographic, and there are so many services that they need. But if you are going to serve homeless families in your geographic area, that may make more sense, because then you can develop specific projects, such as transportation to school, school uniforms and books, housing units with multiple rooms, parenting classes, etc., this goes for consultants. Are you serving every single nonprofit? Who is your ideal client? Large nonprofits that are established, small startups, or maybe a specific sector, such as education nonprofits. Don't be afraid to go too narrow, as it really will help you be very specific on connecting to your target demographic. So let's move on to step or service number five. Establish resource mapping. Resource mapping is one of my favorite items. This is where you're going to list all the resources that you have and plan on having. You're going to list both the monetary resources and in-kind resources that your nonprofit or business has. This includes all the products, services, grants, fundraising, donations, and manpower, people, right? So if you are a nonprofit, your monetary resources may include Thrift store sales, $50,000 annual grants from Foundation X, $25,000 in annual giving from individuals, $10,000 in annual corporate giving. If you are a freelancer, then your monetary resources might include $25,000 annual retainers for writing grants, $15,000 one-off grants, $10,000 for grant research, $20,000 in grant writing and nonprofit workshops, etc. If you have been working with nonprofits long enough, you know that monetary resources are not the be-all, end-all. In-kind resources are necessary as this includes items that may be donated, so overall it decreases your expenses. So if you're a nonprofit, examples of in-kind resources could be IT services donated at the annual value of $2,000 an office room lease donation at the annual value of $12,000, volunteers at the annual value of $50,000. Yes, if you're tracking your volunteer hours, it can be 
pretty substantial. And if you are a freelancer, examples of in-kind resources could be affiliate partners that help sell your services, LinkedIn groups for leads, anything you donate to your own business, right? So in any case, it is vital to delineate all these sources and then track what brings in the most money or mitigate spending money. In this way, you might even consider cutting some programs if the financial people power and resources are maxed out and there's just not a high return on reaching your mission or bringing in the money, right? So it just makes sense then to say, ah, this is what's been sucking our time and our money and our energy in this program when we didn't even realize it because we didn't have this all spelled out. So in the full nonprofit strategic planning master course, I give you multiple Excel sheets with formulas for all of these details and more examples so you have a handle on where your resources are coming from and where they are going. And two of the biggest challenges that I hear from both nonprofit leaders and freelancers is their fight with time and the energy drain, right? So the biggest contributor to this is operating in a constant priority-minded view i.e. everything is a priority. This ability to identify and break down all of your resources and see where you're actually spending your time and energy and the return on time and energy is absolutely life-changing. By doing these exercises, and you can do them now on a piece of paper even, right? I have seen both nonprofit leaders and freelancers dramatically increase their quality of life purely by being able to see what really a priority is. So outline all of your resources and identify resources um, that are the most beneficial for your nonprofit or for your business. This is super important, resource mapping. And like I said, you can really go in the weeds on this too, right? You can really, and I spell it out like so in the Excel sheets, so you can even create these Excel sheets as well. You can break down each page to have all of this information on there. So it's really important to know what your resources are, any kind of leveraged resource, partnerships, you know, that, that you don't have to pay for certain things because maybe you partner with a community college who offers the testing you do for free. All of those kind of things need to be accounted for. And this is great too because you can use a lot of this information to say, oh yeah, we have a grant coming up and we need to have a non-federal matching for it. You already know exactly how much you have, where it's going to come from, etc. And you kind of have an idea then of what grants you should go after, just saying, right? So you can see how resource mapping is in a whole thing by itself as well, but that can be used for other things like grant writing, etc. Step or service number six, define goals, objectives, and activities. Now that you know what you should be prioritizing by doing your resource mapping, it is vital to build goals, objectives, and activities for each project idea. So remember, and I talk about this in grant writing all the time, I use goals, objectives, and activities for my planning and for my grant writing. A goal is an overarching plan. So for example, if you are a nonprofit leader, your goal might be by the end of the year to have secured $500,000 in funding for your nonprofit. If you are a consultant, your goal might be by the end of the year to have secured $100,000 in earned funding, the sales that you've made. So that's the overall goal, right? And you can have um, different, you can have a monetary goal, you can have an operations goal, you can have different goals for different categories. This is really cool to do as well. But underneath this then, your objectives. So you're usually gonna have more than one objective to meet your goal. And think of this kind of like peeling back an onion. So the goal is like the outer layer, the objectives are some more layers underneath there, right? 
So, and these objectives should always be, um, they should be what you need to do to specifically reach your goal and it should be smart. All right, so if you've taken the grants formula, you know what this is, right? <laughs> Specific, measurable, achievable, relevant, and time-bound. Your objectives should all be smart. For example, for the nonprofit leader's goal of securing $500,000 in funding for their nonprofit, some objectives may include the following. One, to apply for five federal and 10 foundation grants by the end of the year. Two, to run three main fundraisers online. Three, to increase our mailing list from 1,000 people to 5,000 people by the end of quarter three. Four, to reach out to 20 new corporate sponsors and develop a new sponsor package by the end of quarter one. So you can see these are all time bound and um, they're very, very specific, right? And you can measure all of these. So these would all be great and they would lead into that overall goal of $500,000. So if you're a freelancer, some of your objectives to reach your $1,000 or $100,000 goal rather might be one, to reach out to 50 new ideal leads by the end of quarter two. Two, to develop a package of services by the end of quarter one. Three, to follow 200 new ideal leads on LinkedIn and join five groups and be an active participant throughout the year. Four, to secure 10 new testimonials and publish on website by the end of quarter three. So you can see once again how all of these different things will lead into your overall goal. And you can see how I'm not saying by the end of quarter one to have $50,000, right? That's not something in a way, it, that would be an outcome of what you did. Right, so if you develop your 50 new ideal leads, those then should secure your contracts, et cetera, to bring the money about. So it's more about things that you can actually take action on and that you can control rather than the things that are just the outcomes, right? So you might get $25,000 from that, right? So and you, then you're gonna beat yourself up. But if you know that you took the steps of reaching out to 50 new leads and that it only amounted to $25,000 instead of the $50,000 outcome that you were looking for, then you know that you need to reach out to at least another how many leads? 50, right? So this is what I'm saying. You wanna create these objectives that you can actually control. Now we're gonna to get to the activities. You can see we are peeling this onion back even more, but this is where you have the plan. The activities are the specific tasks needed to complete each objective. So for each objective, you're gonna create a timeline to include who will implement each activity, when they will start, and when they will end, okay? So for example, um, the first objective of the nonprofits um, to apply for five federal and 10 foundation grants, they will have many different tasks or activities under this objective. And one activity could be the executive director will hire a grant writer by the end of quarter one to find all grant opportunities. So this would just be one activity under that one objective. So you're gonna have many activities so you can complete your objective, which once your objective is completed, it will help lead into your goal. See how this all works? Love it, and this is why I love doing this in grants as well. All right, so for the freelancer, you will also have multiple activities under each objective. To reach the objective of reaching out to 50 new ideal leads, one activity might be the following. Uh, the virtual assistant to find 20 virtual conferences where my target demographic client hangs out and book me to these by the end of month one. 
So I love having these activities done in a chart. So each week I can just look at my chart to see if I'm on target with all my de deadlines. And like I said, I love doing this for grants as well, because if you hire someone to actually be the project director for the grant and they weren't in part in the, actually writing the grant, you can basically just hand them this chart with the goal and objectives and activities and they know what to do, when to do it, everything. It's absolutely magic. I always like calling this a magic section. So it's a magic section for your grant as well as magic for your planning. Okay, so let's move on then to the next step. Step number seven is prioritize a nonprofit's projects. Now that you know everything that you want to do, what resources are needed, you can then identify the best projects for the year. Maybe there's a project you want to develop, but if you accomplish it as an objective, it will not move the needle toward your goal. Then you might not consider doing that project. What you can do is list each project idea that you have and figure out how much it's gonna cost, what resources it's gonna take, how much manpower it will take, and how much time it will take. And that's gonna be easy because you have already done your resource mapping, right? <laughs> so you can look back at your resource mapping to really have an idea and then plug in a new project idea using the same formula. Once again, how much will it cost? What resources will it take? How much manpower will it take? And how much time will it take? Once you know that, you can very clearly say, hmm, this is a great idea, but maybe not this year, right? We have other things on our plate, that sort of thing. So for example, if you're a freelancer and if you have a great idea to create a course, but after looking at it and seeing that you will need to learn new software skills, invest in an online platform, and it's gonna take at least 100 hours of your time, you might prefer instead to write more grants. You think, oh, actually I love writing grants, that's what I wanna do. And for nonprofits, um, you know, you guys get amazing ideas, I love it. You wanna to start to implement these, and then you realize that it's just gonna to take too much of your time or expend too many of your resources and it's not really gonna make a huge impact on your mission. But if you do this activity first, then you can once again prioritize your projects that are well thought out and will actually have drastic impact for your mission, right? So you wanna be able to prioritize again. A lot of times, for an example, I get nonprofit leaders, they'll come to me and they'll ask me for help with a gala and they'll say, oh my gosh, the other nonprofit charged $125 per plate, they had 500 people attend, so they must have raised more than $60,000 in one night. I wanna do that too. <laughs> I must remind these wide-eyed nonprofit leaders that the expenses were probably at least 70% of that with the cost to rent the hotel, the cost of food, advertising, etc. So we really need to be able to see uh, realistically what your projects are. Step number eight or service number eight, contingency planning. Okay, we have all learned that things can change in the world really quick. If anything, you have learned that it is important to put a contingency plan in place. But have you yet? We need to make sure that for every project that is developed and every activity and objective we schedule, that things can happen, right? And I do this as well for all the grants that I write. If something happens, how can we ensure that the job will get done? So the three main things you need to look at for contingency planning are the following. The challenge. What challenges might you face? The contingency, and just going back, challenges a lot of times can also be those threats that you have in your SWOT analysis, right? So looking at that, if a typhoon happens, like what are we gonna do? Because this is an outdoor event, right? That's very real, like we need to kind of figure that out. 
What are you going to have in place? So that's the next thing. What is the contingency? What can you put in place to mitigate that typhoon or the, you know, getting it all rained out? And of course, sustainability, what you can put in place to extend the life of the project. So there's a lot of good things that once you look at these for any of your projects, for any of your objectives, it gives you really good ideas so you can be sustainable. So for the nonprofit leader, a challenge in being able to apply for 15 grants may be that there are not that many grants that are a good fit for their projects that year. Or maybe they had a hard time securing a grant writer in the first quarter. So what are you going to put in place? Maybe that you only apply for 10 grants, but you will make sure that the grants all amount to $300,000, right? To help lead up to that $500,000 overall. So this is really good because it's not the what if sometimes, it's the when, and then you already have a plan in place that you can take action on. For a freelancer, maybe you can't find those 50 best leads, so you must attend more virtual conferences, develop Facebook ads, or actually go door-to-door to nonprofits in your city, right? And really connect. Once you understand the worst that can happen, then you actually have more control on how you're going to respond to events. It is truly liberating, and it is what is going to separate you from everyone else who is just reacting, 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 and not responding. All right, so step number nine or service number nine, develop strategic data management plans. All right, you have the best projects and plan of action on how to advance your nonprofit or business and meet your goals. Yay, you've done that, abracadabra. But you need to track your data to see if it's really working. Therefore, if you say your goal is to raise $500,000 for your nonprofit and one objective or stream of income in reaching that $500,000 is to secure the $300,000 from 15 grants, that's fantastic. That's great. But how are you going to track that? How are you going to know when you should kind of break into your contingency planning? Well, you did your first step of hiring a grant writer, but how many grants have they identified? What if it gets to the last quarter of the year and they have only applied for three grants? then you're going to be way off track. So you need to say, okay, we need to be tracking this at least every quarter to see what's happening or every month, right? The same goes for you as a freelancer to secure 50 best leads. If you have only attended one virtual event, two in-person events, and five leads on LinkedIn, and it's the fourth quarter, you're not going to reach your objective. Because of that, it's like a domino effect. You're not going to reach your goal. Forget about that $100,000. You've made a plan. Now you've got to work your plan. But to know if your plan is going to get the full outcomes, you got to track that plan. So what do you need to track? Once again, I love using charts. All right, so very basically, you want to list all of your objectives in one column. The next column, you want to say what's going to be collected. So we're going to say the objective is to get 50 best leads. What will be collected? The number of leads. Who collects the data is your next column? The virtual assistant. The next column, how is the data going to be collected? Using a shared Google Excel sheet. How frequently are you going to collect that data? We're going to collect it weekly. And where will this data be stored? It's going to be stored in our Google Drive. And why is the data useful? To track how many leads and to reach out to warm leads. 
And who are you going to share the data with? None. No one. It's internal, right? So this is for you. But that's basically it. So you want to be able to say, and I know these are real basic questions, but if you think about it, then all of a sudden you've developed operating systems, ooh, ooh, right? And it doesn't have to be complicated. It's not like I know when some people think data management plan, they're like, oh my gosh, I don't crunch numbers. I don't do spreadsheets and like crazy, you know, analytics. And it doesn't have to be hard. These are very simple questions and they don't need complicated answers of anything you want it to be as simple as possible. But if your virtual assistant doesn't know where they're supposed to be putting the information and you don't look at it every week and you maybe look at it once every other month and you don't really have any kind of system in place, then you're probably not going to reach your activity goal or your objective or your overall goal. It's just not going to happen. And it's, you know, the thing is, is that I see if people don't actually just use something simple like this and think of how much, oh my gosh, that would so help you structure your time, right? They start beating themselves up saying, nobody likes me, my stuff isn't good enough, et cetera, et cetera. And all this victim kind of mentality talk. Nonprofits do it too, right? Nobody supports our mission. They just aren't passionate like we are. Well, a lot of times it's because you're just not putting yourself out there because you're not following your plan, right? So they don't know about it. So that's usually what it's all about. But if you can really track what you said you're going to do and see if it's working or not, you are going to be way ahead and you're really going to be closer and closer to reaching your overall goal. All right, so I know you guys are all waiting for this. Step or service number 10. Schedule a nonprofit's calendar or your business calendar. And I love laying out an actual calendar. Like I'm big on like, I'm going to print a calendar, put it up and like, you know, see all the little boxes or see for the whole year, right? Um, And then I divide it into quarters. In this way, you can see exactly what needs to get done in a very visual way and to make sure that everything that you designed makes sense. So what do I mean? Well, the other great thing for a calendar view is that it is a reminder of holidays, partner events, and other items that are going on and could impact your schedule. So even if you said, this makes sense on my little chart, that six weeks, and then we're going to do this, and then we're going to do two months, or we're going to do this. But if you're not actually seeing all these other things that might impact your schedule, um, it might kind of get in your way. For example, you might see that a grant is due the same week your grant writer is having a baby. (laughs) Or maybe that the nonprofit, that's the same week you're celebrating your annual event. It's a huge fundraising event and it's gonna take all of your energy, it's gonna take all of your manpower and everything. Plus in a calendar view, you can easily see when you need to start planning. So you can go, oh, okay, a month out is this date and what's going on around this time. It just gives you a very clear view, but you need to plan everything. This can really help you in your timelines and your activities too, once you have this nonprofit calendar. So once you have your objectives and tasks for the best projects and you know how you're gonna track those, your progress, right? You have your data management plan set up, make sure you can transfer it over onto a calendar. This could be on a physical calendar that you hang up so you can see it, or in your Google calendar, or uh, your Microsoft Outlook calendar, or if you use software like Asana. But having a visual calendar that also has all the other like holidays and integrated events on it is really important. So there you have it. That is the mini crash course on nonprofit strategic planning for your nonprofit or freelance biz. And once again, if you're a freelancer, this is all taught so you can use these. You can see how you can make each one of these steps as a separate service 
or you could tag it on to a board meeting uh, for a nonprofit. So an hour or two onto a board meeting every single month, you know, and you could come up with a whole year contract with a nonprofit by utilizing this. And it really gets them prepared. To sum it up, here are the 10 steps or services. Step number one, know your values. Step number two, conduct a SWOT analysis. Step number three, articulate boss mission and vision statements. Step number four, find your target demographic. Step number five, establish resource mapping. Step six, define goals, objectives, and activities. Step seven, prioritize a nonprofit's projects. Step eight, cultivate contingency planning. Step nine, develop strategic data management plans. And step 10, schedule a nonprofit's calendar. Now you can start making all those fantastic goals happen during the next six months. So I encourage you, take this podcast, listen to it with your team, get done your planning for the next six months. You know, maybe take a day, pause it, go through it, and actually get your plan together so you can meet your 2020 goals. Yes, I know we've gotten thrown off with the pandemic. Get back on track, reprioritize what's really necessary, what goals you really wanna reach. You can do it. You just need to have a plan and you need to work your plan. Say even if that nonprofit leader implements all the objectives and activities and doesn't reach that $500,000 or $500,000 goal and only reaches $400,000. Well, isn't that better than having no plan and basically reaching no income or having a very loose idea of a plan and only reaching $100,000? I see this happening all the time. And then the nonprofit leader, um, you know, they have to invest their own money into the nonprofit. They get upset and discouraged that no one cares about their nonprofit. That shouldn't and really isn't the case, like I said before. It's just that they didn't have a realistic plan, work their plan without getting burned out, and then track their plan. The same goes for freelancers. Sure, we all want to open a freelance business and magically have clients and enormous income. <laughs> that can so happen, but you must have a plan, work your plan, and what? Track your plan. Even if you didn't hit your $100,000 goal this year, but you did all of the steps and you did all of your objectives and activities and all of this planning, you are certainly gonna make more income than not having a plan at all and then thinking once again, those victimized thoughts, maybe I'm not good enough, nobody likes me, etc. Well, if no one knows about you, no one is going to hire you. You need to have that plan and work it. So if you want to make a huge difference in ending the cycle of stressing out about not having enough time, not securing the funding you need, and having real burnout, but instead you want to feel in control of your life, have a higher quality of life, and have a plan that brings in real financial results, then you must implement these steps. So if you really want to go deep into this, get all of the video teachings, get all of the downloadables, get all of everything, right? You even get that one-on-one -on -one with me, you go to private Facebook group, etc. And $100 off, then go ahead and get the nonprofit strategic planning master course by June 30th. You will not be disappointed. And I want to see you all advance forward in meeting and winning your goals and having a more fulfilling life. So do check it out at grantwritingandfunding.com for the full list of this show notes and links and everything and all the charts and graphs that you can see that I talked about today. Definitely go over to grantwritingandfunding.com forward slash one, two, six. All right, guys, I'll talk to you later. As always, send me an email if you have any questions. Holly at grantwritingandfunding.com. I hope you are enjoying your beautiful summer. All right, bye-bye.